Welcome to the Hayes Salespeople Podcast, where we talk to the brightest minds in modern sales and get their tips and advice on all things sales. I'm your interim host, Jenna Sachs from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, I want to welcome Chip House to the podcast. Hey, Chip. Hey, Jenna. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. So Chip is the Chief Marketing Officer at Insightly, which is a modern, scalable CRM that salespeople absolutely love to use. So Chip, why don't you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your role at Insightly? Yeah, thanks, Jenna, for having me on. Born and raised here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I've really been in marketing uh, my whole career and the last 20 plus years actually in B2B SaaS marketing uh, at different marketing technology and sales technology companies. And I've been with Insightly a little bit over a year and just super excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I think we have a lot to talk about as it pertains to the CRM side of things. But first, I want to know a little bit more about you as a person. Um, what is a fun fact or hobby that you've you've done for whatever amount of time? Yeah, a lot of people don't know this. And uh, I've been encouraged by uh, folks like like Jay Bear to, to share more personal facts, in fact, <laughs> about myself, <laughs> because it humanizes me right in, in a in a business setting. And so I, I'm a lifelong lifelong drummer, Jenna. And so I started playing drums at 10. And I've been in bands since maybe age 12 or 13. And literally, I am still in bands. I've been playing in bands my whole career, just as a hobby, of course. What kind and of bands? So Do you mind me asking? Oh, yeah, uh, of course. And so, you know, back when I was in uh, junior high and high school, we had a band and we would play, you know, the ACDC and the Rolling Stones and Leonard Skinner and all the classic rock stuff. Um, and um, when I was in college, we had a U2 kind of sounding, but it was original band called The Scratch. Then I was in a Grateful Dead cover band called The Big Woo. And they're still around, but I, I, I left the band and then they got good you know, <laughs> back in 94. But now the, the bands I'm in now, I have one with a female singer and uh, we do sort of blues and rock from the you know 60s through today, really. And then the other one is sort of classic rock B-side. So I'm back to the classic rock stuff. So anyway, Jenna, you asked and uh, I told you. So that's it. more than you wanted, probably. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. No, it's not. I I love personal information and I love anything around music, really. So I do. It's, I love that there's a wide range of everything. And um, it's cool that you've been doing that for so long. I've always thought that I, I want to write a blog post and I haven't done this yet or, or yet or a book about how drummers make good marketers, because it's when I think about how I approach my job, you know, very much uh, as a drummer, as the heartbeat of a band. So if a band is only as good as their drummer, and I, I think a brand is maybe only as good as their marketer, but um, the the reason for that is the the marketing person uh, brings together all of the branding and messaging and information and really tries to support the entire org uh, with a go to market strategy. So anyway, so it's it's kind of a cool metaphor, I think. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. I think it's one of those things where again. And, you know, the lead singer usually gets most of the credit, but a band is nothing without the beat. 
A band is nothing without the drummer, the bass lines, all the different pieces that make up of it. And it could kind of be the same with sales, right? Sales is on the front lines. Well, you really need that bass line and that heartbeat, as you said, to keep the, keep the music going. So let's pivot into, into the topic that we want to discuss today, which is how a CRM can make salespeople more effective in their day-to-day jobs and, and in driving the customer relationship. What are the maybe some of the negatives that salespeople have when using a CRM and some of the pain points? But then how do we take that and make that something that is a, a real thing that to make a buyer more responsive at the end of the day? Yeah, thanks, Jenna. So, so I guess first a little bit more about uh, Insightly. So we've been at this a little over 10 years and Anthony Smith, our CEO, founded the company really to help his customers, he was a consultant at the time, just better manage their customer data. So though we had a CRM core, we also have a marketing automation product and a, a, a customer service help desk support product as well. Um, and by the way, we're a sales loft customer and you know we, we integrate uh, Insightly CRM with our sales loft instance for uh, sales engagement. So, but to answer your question, what, what a customer's dislike about CRM now. It's, you know, it's almost a joke. We, we've talked about having CRM confessions and just like driving salespeople around and asking them why they hate their CRM <laughs> because salespeople are sort of at the, uh, the the tip of the spear really when it comes to what goes into the CRM um, so, and the data that's there. So we, we did a survey early in 2022 where we surveyed 500 professionals uh, sales leaders, marketing leaders, ops leaders, uh, customer service and experience leaders, and you know, ask them about CRM, like who chose it inside of their organization, why did they pick the CRM they picked, what is working with it, what's not working with it, what do they expect to look for a new CRM soon? And the results are really surprising. So 79% of those people say they aren't satisfied with the current CRM. And, you know, salespeople said why. Number one is flexibility, right? They really couldn't get it to do what they wanted it to do specifically for their company. Um, Or it costs too much to do that, right? The total cost of ownership for their platform, you know, some of the enterprise suite cloud platforms that you and I are both thinking of can take an army of admins to operate, right? And so... That wasn't working for a lot of companies, especially if they're in the smaller or mid-market. They struggle with you know, platforms um, like Salesforce. Um, cross-team functionality is super critical, right? So not only can I use it as a salesperson, is my customer success team using it and using it effectively such that the data is coming back to me? And of course, ease of use, being able to use it on mobile or easily on the desktop. So me and my team will actually use it uh, and then lastly, integrations. Does it integrate with the stuff that I want it to integrate with, right? It might be at my accounting system, but in the case of a salesperson, it's does it integrate with Gong? Does it integrate with SalesLoft on the engagement side, um, you know, which, which is super critical um, or Sixth Sense or other, other data sources that are, you know, really, really important for me as a salesperson. But the other interesting thing about this was, those that were happy, right? So those that said that they were extremely happy with their uh, CRM said they had better organized data, they had more streamlined processes, they had higher sales, 
and they had better customer experience. So that's the promised land, if you will. If if you stick it out, you pick the right CRM and you have a successful implementation, that's what you get on the other side. What level of process versus actual functionality do you think is crucial to having effective CRM? I'm, you know, just coming from RevOps, it's something that I think about all the time where you could have the best CRM and the best setup CRM, but if you don't have the right process or the right way guidance for sales teams, it also doesn't really work out the way that you'd hope it would. Yeah. I mean, you know, marketing and uh, sales and the customer team, really, they're all part of the go-to-market team, right? And and so the CRM has to form the crux that connects all three. But there also has to be a willful, you know, goal of working together to create that sort of go-to-market, you know, RevOps-oriented experience. And so, yeah, internal process is critical. You can't... Software doesn't solve all your problems. When you look at all the pain points that you've you know uncovered with or through the survey or just talking to customers or seeing um, how salespeople use their CRM, what do you see works the best in a CRM and in usage of a CRM to be the most effective tool a salesperson can have? I'm steeped in the B2B SaaS world, right? Um, the data from Forrester that just came out, I think it was in 2020, 2021, talked about the number of steps a B2B buyer goes through when they're choosing what do they want to buy? You know, what software do they want to buy? What product do they want to buy? Uh, and it's during the pandemic, it actually went up from 19 steps, you know, to 27 steps. So I don't know if that's because of time or people are at their computers more uh, or just it's truly is a changing landscape of of buyers and information and review sites and social media. I think all of those factors kind of are playing into this difference. But B2B buyers, um, you know, they're not going to buy from a single ad or, or, or a single phone call. It's just not how it works. We've worked with another sales leader. She may have been on your show, even Jenna, uh, Sam McKenna, uh, and she's a, a LinkedIn expert. And she had coined the phrase, show me, you know me, which is really about uh, when, when you're doing outreach, personalizing it to the point that doesn't feel weird and creepy, but feels helpful to the potential buyer um, because you've actually done that homework. And the CRM plus LinkedIn probably can form the crux of that outreach because that's where the data is. So things in your CRM that you should be using as a salesperson is, have they been a customer with you before, right? Has that user ever been a customer for you uh, before? Have they ever been even in the pipeline before? If so, you know, what did they download? What did they attend? What did they watch? When was that? What was the content of that that you can use to personalize that outreach? Um, you know, it, it might be things like that that are very business oriented, or it could be more personal things, right? So maybe they're from the same city where you went to school or your best friend went to school or you have hobbies in common or, um, you know, you have former employers in common or, you know, people that are at their last, you know. There's there's this ways to to create those personal connections that you know allow a salesperson to be effective with maybe 50 outreaches a day or 20. You know, it's less about volume than it is about just the quality of those interactions. I mean, you said without being creepy, right? There is 
There is definitely a line. Um, but I think also the other key point, and I just know I'm on the receiving end of a lot of outreach and sometimes they try to be personal, but it will be like the subject line is the name of my college. And then nothing in the body is about my college and they have no connection whatsoever. So it's, it's, I think to your point, really finding that connection and that personal touch point that actually makes sense. (laughs) Because if it's something that's just pulled off their LinkedIn of where they went to school and you have no insight into that school or that town or anything about that in common, maybe don't use that piece, right? Yeah, it's, it's very true. Yeah, because you can kind of see right through it when it, when it seems like it was a, a 30 second uh, perusal of your LinkedIn profile or something that they, they then used in the outreach versus actually, you know, doing some some homework, right? Because I think a good salesperson will use that data to come up with a hypothesis, you know, for what it's like to be in the shoes of the prospect, you know, what they might be experiencing. And again, where it feels like it's personal to me and it's relevant to the things I care about, the things that marketers have been focusing on with email outreach for for years and years and years, um, ensuring that it's authentic is just critical. Yeah, it's it's essentially persona-based marketing just on an individual level. Right. You're looking at who is this person? What is their history? Maybe they did have a work history where they're in an ops role, but historically they were in a sales role. So they might understand some of those pain points a little bit better than someone who's brand new into only an ops role and maybe just out of college. Right. If you see something in common, be able to say, hey, you know, we share this or I understand you a little bit better from what I know about you. Yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, I, I came from the catalog marketing space right when I got out of college, you know, which was which was booming then, and it was, you know, personalization at scale in catalog marketing obviously became, you know, something that everybody got used to receiving in their mailbox and ended up throwing it away. But when it first came out, it was sort of revolutionary. Wow, it's personalized to me. It says, you know, chip, and that. And- and that felt new and different, and that became tired over over time. And so, the, the digital world seemed like a dream for for marketers when you could personalize multiple aspects of a communication via HTML, email, um, you know, from a database. And and now it's this the sales people, you know, the the level of you, you can't just do how would you say mass customization and be as effective as a salesperson truly doing research of a potential buyer and understanding their persona? Again, as someone who gets many emails every single day (laughs) that are from all different areas, um, it's really easy to overlook a lot of them. So you do need something that stands out and is just a little bit, you know, if someone did their homework, maybe I'm more open to that conversation because you did a little bit of research and actually you know, it's, it's even pre-discovery. So it's not that you listen to me, which, which in a sales cycle, all I want to do is be listened to so that I have the right solution, but you knew a little bit more, you understood what was maybe some of my pain points before, which might lead me to a conversation to do that discovery and tell you a little bit more about it. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I feel for salespeople, right? Cause there's a, there's a lot of information, uh, that needs to be synthesized together to do that effectively. Um, and, you know, I talked before about purposefully working together between sales and marketing and CS teams. And, you know, if you're a salesperson listening, you're, you're probably being asked to attend some 
update kind of meeting where your marketing team is talking about this campaign or that campaign or this white paper that they're going to do. And so um, marketing teams need to be, number one, more deliberate um, and purposeful with their communication. Internal communication is as important as external when you're a marketing person, I think. Um, and I think salespeople need to be, you know, kind of understand what the campaigns are such that they can truly know what did the buyer just read? What did they just download? What did they already learn about my company? I think internal communication, the point you touched on there is so important. I think a lot of the time it is easy to glaze over. Oh, it's just another marketing thing. I have other things to do, but a, a good organization that has that cross-functional rigor is really saying, here's how everything's working together to ultimately help you as the salesperson, right? We're do all these different pieces are running in the background and you're not just a team of one going out making cold calls. There's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes that could be really, really helpful in driving that conversation. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're trying to create some consistency across the journey. You know, so for example, when we're doing promotions, um, in LinkedIn and other, you know, social media, we're trying to think through what is the buyer journey. You know, what what are sort of the who's high funnel, meaning that there there's not a ton of engagement. There might be a little awareness even of our brand, and then once there's some engagement, they're going to move, you know, quote unquote, down the funnel a little bit. You know, to understanding who your brand is and trying to to know you and really understand what you're all about. And so the the sales messaging has to be kind of a logical. By the way, this responsibility is not entirely, again, all, all in the salesperson. You know, marketing teams have nurtures running uh, via their marketing automation software. Like we, we do everything we uh, do entirely on the Insightly platform, right? We use our CRM. We use our marketing automation. We use our uh, Insightly service for, for help desk. But, um, you know, so our, our salespeople could go in and look, but we're, we're, we try to do more proactive yeah, that way you're not duplicating the message. You're just continuing the message. Yeah, no, I love that. I had a little bit of a background in marketing ops too at one point with um, you know nurture campaigns and how are we making that drive the rest of what's happening with sales. And I think visibility across the board is is crucial to both. And um, a lot of the times there's product marketing, which is giving the salespeople, hey, here's the message that we're going out with. This is you know our elevator pitch, or this is what we're offering, and this is the the branding that we're using. And once you layer in that extra visibility for this is the emails they're receiving, this is how much this person's engaged with us. I think it really rounds out everything in a way. Yeah. Um- you know, one of the things that we did, Jenna, on the marketing side was added a how did you hear about us form on our uh, requested demo page um, that, you know, a lot of times you see those forms and it will have predefined information for people to select from, you know, and the quality of data you to get there is just not nearly as good. And so we left it free form so people could type in, you know, I heard about you on social media or it was word of mouth or via Google uh, but one of the things we learned is a good share of our customers were customers before, right? I mean, they they used the product at a different company and they liked it. And so they went and sought, uh, sought us out again. Um, and so, you know, I mean, that that data is is there 
right? Often in a CRM for salespeople to to leverage, like I'd mentioned before, to make just make it the conversation more human, more relevant. Yeah. I mean, naturally there's a ton of data in your CRM and from all different sources, all different time frames. Um, how do you look at organizing that or, you know, best practices around making sure that that data is relevant and, you know, findable essentially when maybe looking for someone who's worked at a previous company or finding those opportunities potentially before they even get to that demo request form? Well, you know, one of the things that we've learned is in in the marketing that we do that we're certainly bringing in new people that have never heard of Insightly before, but we're also often bringing in a good share that have engaged with us in some other way. Um, And, you know, so that information will show up right in the contact or org level record for uh, the salesperson to find. And so, and so it might not, for example, a trade, does it have the trade show name versus just trade show? Does it have a trade show date when you may have interacted with somebody? And so, you know, I mean, obviously CRM use by a salesperson is directly related to how well you onboarded your CRM in the first place. And a lot of CRM installations fail uh, because that upfront work didn't happen uh, and it didn't happen effectively. And salespeople were not properly enabled or asked as, as part of the implementation. And so, um, you know, the setup is super, super critical. And frankly, uh, salespeople are one of the most important customers, if you will, um, of a CRM. It has to work for them. It has to be built for them. I think that adding to potentially the pain points from earlier, right, is the need to update data, do manual work, do admin work. And I think if you're set up properly, you have the right integrations with other tools, such as SalesLoft, um, you know, you're not manually logging activities, you're not manually entering a lot of information. Um, It helps you just kind of get that better data quality to have that full suite and in one place, right? So I think that there's been there's been some LinkedIn trends lately about sellers having to go to 27 different tabs every you know, hour in order to do their work and get their job done um, and just tech stack chaos overall. But a CRM, a good CRM really should throw everything in one place so you're able to have that visibility and integrate with the things that you know, might help make that automation a little bit easier. Yeah, and, and your CRM should make you more productive, more productive right. rather than less productive, right? Yeah. And that's why RevOps, marketing ops, <laughs> sales ops is so critical to that, right? Because is it set up right? Is all the data there that you need? Happen and not have to spend hours and hours making notes of all their opportunities and updating. Notes are important, so I think there is a balance, right, of the data you need and getting it in there in the simplest fashion and the most reportable way. So that you can make it better in the future. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, it does matter to the marketing team, right? I mean, more and more salespeople are doing account-based selling where they're selling to an org of, of because there's more people inside of an organization that are influencing a purchase. And so that's the piece that does require a little bit more uh, a salesperson work, I guess, right? Is there some research and some appropriately placed questions as part of the discovery for Who's your marketing person? Who's your CS person? What other challenges do you have as an organization? How can we engage them in this process to make it more successful? So, 
Yeah. I think it really, it speaks to multi-threading. It speaks to account mapping and really understanding who your audience is outside of maybe that one champion you have. So as we wrap up, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the benefits of an effective CRM, how to make a buyer more responsive, some of the pain points that we might've seen, but what are some of the other benefits maybe we did not touch upon here that you think are extremely effective in using for CRM purposes? Yeah, I, I think there are a lot for, for salespeople and sales leaders. The first that comes to mind is probably just pipeline management. So being able to look at and have a visual representation of your pipeline, maybe at a Kanban flow and you know, being able to truly manage what's coming in this month, what's coming in next month. And, you know, that kind of expectation setting and visibility is critical for sales leaders, for executives. And it just makes you more effective, frankly, and more organized in your outreach. So that's, I think, I think pipeline. Um, and closely related to that, I just think is dashboarding and analytics, right? So how are we doing this month as a company? How am I individually doing what does my SDR activity look like? Um, you know, better understanding size of deal, deal velocity. A lot of that data is in your CRM, um, and it just makes you a better sales leader, makes you a better salesperson, um, and helps you, you know, just uh, manage your prospects better. And I think that they can they can feel it. So, I mean, those are the couple of things that come to, to mind, Jenna, with risk of going too long. But those are, those are a couple of really critical things. Yeah, you're speaking my language there. Uh, just shame another shameless plug from, you know, me and RevOps to <laughs> RevOps. lean on your RevOps people yeah. <laughs> um, because we make a lot of those things happen. And I mean, that's always top of mind for me, which is why I use the CRM is pipeline management and really understanding what are, what are, how we're going to do, right? How, as a company, what are we going to do? And that really does boil down to the individual level as well. So love all of no that. Question. Um, so again, thank you so much for being here. I uh, just want to leave our listeners. If there is somebody who wants to get in touch with you to talk about CRM or marketing or anything like that, um, what would be the best way for someone to reach you? Well, I mean, people obviously can learn more about Insightly at Insightly.com, you know, and if they want to learn more about me, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, I've got a content show of our own called Closing Time that we, we run every week where we're trying, we're talking to salespeople um, and I've got a, a bunch of different guests on there. So that's how you can learn more about me. And I probably should talk about drumming there more, Jenna, but I don't. I mostly just talk about marketing. You might get a lot of cold emails now talking about drumming. So um, after this one. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So hopefully if, if, if they can le leverage any of the types of music I've played, then you know they listen to the episode. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, again, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, so much, Jenna. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm your host, Jenna Sachs. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Sales People podcast.